1: Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy John of the Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Uh coming at you the day after we had collectively here at Knicks Film School very, very uh well, it was it was a full evening, I think is a good word to describe it. Um before I get back to that, I'll just say hello, Jeremy Cohen. I have not seen you in several hours. <laughs>
2: how are you <laughs> tired john but good it's been uh it was it was a great night good regardless luck. of the outcome which again we say a lot for these outings even though the last time they won and it was the most important game that they could have possibly won because it was a playoff game uh we had a great time it was a fantastic turnout people who showed up for the game itself for pregame game hangout for going to msg ability to just interact with uh, all sorts of folks was fantastic. So it's great seeing you. Great seeing Andrew and Benji, Sean. I think that was pretty much who was repping us. That was our crew. Yeah. But we had a great time. So thank you for everyone who showed up. I
1: I was about to say, before we get to any Nick stuff, two very quick shout outs. One, um, to everybody who came through uh, T squared social on 42nd street for the watch party, I, whether you were there just stopping by before the game, um, you know, stayed for the whole night. Uh, Like to say that that was an overwhelming response, I think would be an understatement. I I personally was blown away by how many people came out. I I don't, I didn't try to get like a head count, but I, all I know is like, I, and this would, I think this would have been different had they won the game is like, I looked over at one point during the fourth quarter and just like the place, I mean, you couldn't move in the place. It was packed. Everybody, all tables were filled up and it was just a sea of Knicks gear. And then I looked up like five minutes after the, the final buzzer and um, it was like empty. <laughs> so I think like that, that showed you what most of the clientele were there to do and it was to support the Knicks. So shout out to everybody who came through and then um, also shout out to John Schmilk who uh, is, was our, we've had other people like do guest post games before this was really cool because John has been like an extended member of the KFS family for a long time. And, uh, that was not an easy, uh, chair to sit in last night. I mean, nine straight. And then here he comes and does the post game after a loss. So that, that, but he, he did a great job. So, um, those two quick shout outs out of the way. And, uh, now we can talk some basketball starting with the weekend review. Uh, the Knicks, almost almost so close uh made it a perfect week there would have been their second second or third perfect week in a way i I forget how things went two weeks ago but whatever they were three and one um started off with wins against the hornets jazz and pacers and then a loss to the lakers which we were just talking about a moment ago Uh, shout out to mensa who uh, wasn't able to make it to the watch party but had a good tweet that I, i did not even put two to two together. Knicks lost this game despite taking 20 more field goal attempts than the Los Angeles Lakers, which is indeed uh, tough to do. And it'll uh, transition to uh, maybe a topic that we'll get to in a bit. But let's start off here. Speaking of Mr. Schmiel, he said um, on the postgame that this felt like the loss that was kind of it, like the bill was due. Like they made it through these previous games facing off against teams that were um, certainly not great defensively, you know, jazz finishing off a long road trip. The Hornets stink to holy hell. Uh, Pacers only had Halliburton for 22 minutes. Like, yes, the Knicks performed admirably in all of these games, but you could point to specific things and say, okay, the Knicks got a little assist here, got a little assist there. Um, So this was like, We figured it was coming eventually. It came last night. Is that a good characterization of this loss to you, Jeremy?
2: It is, but also the Knicks missing their own key players stands out. Yes. Shorthanded loss. I I, I, I forgot to say the word shorthanded. Yeah, and it evens out in a way. The Pacers game was a great win. Obviously, the Lakers had LeBron James and Anthony Davis's defense was spectacular. And the Knicks just couldn't make shots in that fourth quarter i mean to go seven minutes without making a field goal is not an easy way to win a game and we hadn't seen that level of um of a lack of scoring in quite some Mm -hmm. time it's been a minute since we've seen the next seven hit a field goal or scored in x amount of minutes but this one it finally caught up to them so yes i think it's that is a good way of characterizing it But also, there's no shame in losing to LeBron James when he comes to Madison court Garden, because he always seems to turn it on and has a great impact. But to me, yes, it does feel as though it was in the Knicks court and just didn't go their way. Yeah, the whole no shame in ever losing to LeBron, I...
1: Again, we, we we so often on the show get into logic versus emotions. Logically, it makes all the freaking sense in the world. He's the second first or second greatest player of all time. And um he is, if not still at the peak of his powers, like man, when those mid-rangers were falling yesterday, to say nothing of the threes. He hit some threes too. Like when they were falling during that game, I mean, you just had to kind of Shake your head. It's it is it's truly amazing what the guy's doing. All that being said, I f- I mean, do I hate losing to LeBron more than anyone else? No, but I don't like it. I don't like it. It's not fun. I don't enjoy you? it. <laughs> Why would you enjoy it? <laughs> this fucking guy, man, can you go away already?
2: Twenty fucking is it twenty years or 19? whatever it is? It's too long. Do you long. remember go that away. tweet? That was, uh, it's like, oh, LeBron's almost 30. This will end soon. And he's just, I mean, that was 10 years ago. <laughs> he's still dominating. And you just have to tip yeah. the calf. It, what can you do? He's easily He's elite. He, he's like elite.
1: A the, one of one. And as you said, and I'm happy you chatted out Davis. You could argue Le, LeBron. And, and I don't know. What did Davis end up with? Like 12 points? It didn't score a lot. I don't, I don't know what his stat line it didn't It's a very matter.
2: inefficient night. Yeah.
1: Yeah you could argue he was the best Laker in the game because from a defensive state, because I thought like, we know the Knicks, the, and this is going to lead into our next question um, about how they've dealt with these recent injuries. We know that they're, they're bringing it defensively every night. And like the Lakers, 113 points in that game. They actually had a, a nice offensive rating. I think it was a one, one twenty one point something, which is good. Good for them. Um, but like, the challenge right now for the Knicks is scoring. And so, yeah, uh, AD prevented that. So next thing, next topic, uh, from a play style standpoint, I like how Andrew has this written out, uh, how have the Knicks handled life without Julius Randle, as well as the absences of OG and Quentin Grimes? Um, man, I... I don't know about you. I am attempting to... Like, I can't look at it like the Knicks are just shorthanded and just have that be a blanket statement under one umbrella. I'm compartmentalizing all these different things. And it's almost like for me, because not to mention Mitch, like Mitch has obviously been out for a while, but we, it's, we, it's been so long. Um, I I don't know. I feel like the Julius thing is, is its own animal. And that. Comes, that's its own conversation because you you could make the argument, not that you can make it. It's obvious that he's the greatest offensive missing piece of everybody who's been missing, but there's also a part that it gives it back on the other end. OG Ananobi, he certainly helps their offense, but on the like the defensive part of it it is a whole other thing. And then Grimes for me is more just like a depth thing like three guys or four, excuse me, four guys played 40 minutes against the Lakers. Guys have been playing a lot of minutes, like chenzo has been playing crazy minutes. Um, so I don't know. It's all it's like a lot of different things. Do you, do you have one overarching thought about how they've played or how they've dealt with the absences?
2: I believe the graphic last night showed that the Lakers had doubled Jalen Brunson on 30 possessions. Yeah, wild. Uh, or 30 times. It was just an insane amount. In, in terms of play style, you know, the thing with Julius Randle is before he was injured, and if anyone had thoughts of no Julius or Julius... It was never about is are the Knicks better without Julius Randle. It was is there a player different than Julius Randle that comes into sure. the building and does something? And removing Julius Randle from the equation takes a whole lot of talent off the floor. But to me, I mean, what OG does on the defensive end is akin to what Randle does offensively. And when you're missing those pieces, I think about. Just how defense turns to offense, what their identity is, how OG could make that impact. I was disappointed because I thought if OG Ananobi is sitting out this week, okay, well, they're resting him. He'll come back for this type of game. Yeah. And he didn't. And that was more of a concern to me of, all right, what's going on here? Because I would have hoped if there were ever a game to bring him back for, it's this one. You're shorthanded. Guys are tired. You've got LeBron James coming in. Your hands are going to be full that's where you have OG coming in and, and defending him and it didn't happen. So from a play style standpoint, it looked good with the first game that Randall had missed. I thought that, that Hornets game was good process and the jazz game, they're blowing through them and it's great. Yeah. And then obviously you get to a Pacers team that has a legitimate threat at the four in Siakam and a Lakers team that has one with LeBron. And so yeah. how you are able to, to mix and match against those teams. I mean, the the offense didn't seem bad to me, but it felt like there was a whole lot of reliance on DiVincenzo to come out of the woodwork. And the other thing too, considering how many shots the Knicks missed in that Pacers game and then how they did with, um, with LA, it's almost like the lack of easy buckets that Randall would create. He's so good at creating those corner threes when he attracts the double teams. So to be able to lose that hub on offense it just stagnates in a lot of ways. So you need more creative juice that the Knicks just don't have. We'll see if how they address it by Thursday's deadline, but there needs to be some sort of injection because these guys are tired and yeah, they're thin and they just need more oomph here. Oh Yeah,
1: that's a good word for it. I, so a couple of things you just hit on it. And I'm happy you did. Like, they have to be tired. I mean, how in God's name could these guys not be tired with how many minutes they have played? That's, I think... That's maybe the most immediate concern. We already saw Hardenstein go down for an injury that it turned out to be only two games. It's, he, is he all the way back? Is he going to be like up and down the rest of the year? I we honestly don't know, but like we we don't want we don't need any more of those situations popping up where guys are are dinged up because of overuse. That's one. Um I just looked it up, and I was actually shocked to find it that this is the number. Their offensive rating in the last four games, so no Randall, no uh, OG, and then missing Grimes for the last two, is one nineteen point three, which is seventh, just over the the last four games, and it would be, you know, like a, a borderline top five number on the year. That that's a really good number, but I think I I I don't. No, I think that maybe speaks a little bit more to some of the opponents that they've been playing. Again, like the Lakers showed up to fight, like the Lakers, I know they're whatever they are, 15th ranked defensively. The Lakers, when they want to be, they're a top 10 offense. And they really, when they really want to be, they could be closer to a top five offense. And but by the way, did you happen to notice who did not
2: play a minute of fourth quarter basketball for LA? Certain point guard? You know, I, I was so busy with, with the I, event that I, I, I did not. But yeah, d
1: Dilo did not play a minute uh, uh in the fourth. And I don't think it was a coincidence that um the the, the Knicks struggled as much as they did, and the Lakers defense kind of rose up a bit. Um so yeah, I think it has has part to do with who they played before last night. Utah, Charlotte, Indiana, not not great defensive teams. Um, but it's it's not coming as easy. And I think the the easiest way for me to see that at least is those four games, they're shooting. Just the twenty nine point nine percent from three, which, if you want to be an optimist, you could be like, "Oh, great! So th- it's not really any problem. They're just cold. They're they have a cold stretch." I look at more as like the threes that they're getting up are not the the quality of looks mm-hmm. that you would see when Julius, as you said, was in there drawing so much attention and drawing so much gravity. I guess the la- the last thing I want to say, and then we can either move on or talk about a little bit more is the way i look at the the julius injury i think you could argue that there's their floor on a game to game basis without julius can actually go up because we've seen nights where julius defensively is like really on cloud 9 and then how often does that maybe or it's the other way around. He's, when he's having an off bad offensive night, it seeps into his defense. And like Julius, there are, if you catch him on the right, or the wrong night, I guess, it could, it's not pretty. Taking him out of the equation, the defensive ceiling, or r- floor, excuse me, definitely raises. You can argue the defensive ceiling raises too, but like defensively, they're just so sturdy. And like, on nights when, you know, it's really has it. And uh, obviously when with Brunson being the way he is, and like, if you have another guy or two that step up, you can make up for what Julius gives you, but the long-term, you know, their ceiling obviously goes down. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the the thing of it for me. And, oh, sorry. And then just the last thing I, we still have, we haven't seen the version of the team uh, with OG and no Randall because OG's been out for all these games that, that Randall has missed and like there are very small sample size numbers that from prior to both of these injuries which would seem to indicate hey maybe this team would be okay if it's just OG in there but again we haven't we haven't seen it so great <laughs> yeah that's I don't know well thank you sir
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed.
1: Uh, next topic as, as will surprise no one, the Knicks obviously need to make a move to add depth or just bring in healthy bodies at this point. Um, we kind of talked about this, the minutes low and the injuries are are piling up, but we've talked trades a lot. Um, You know, we'll talk trades again uh, because the deadline's coming up on Thursday and we're, we're going to be live and the whole thing. Are you, where are you at this point? Uh, And you know what, actually we let's combine these next two points because it's, it's worth, they they bleed into each other. The apparent summit between clutch and CAA slash the Knicks, Leon Rose, Rich Paul, uh, mended fences. I think Bondi had that reported first. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I want to say that now because I think it widens the potential candidate pool, right? Of, of people we could be looking at.
2: I suppose uh, they didn't or need maybe not broker. for you. <laughs> well, no, it's that they didn't need a broker or peace deal in order for the Knicks to trade for a player because all those players were going to be under contract. But I get it because if tensions are. Difficult, you want to at least say to management. It's smart for Rich Paul and Clutch to have positive relations with a, a big market team like the Knicks that's winning. So, why you wouldn't want some sort of presence there with your players is beyond me. But they need shooting, no doubt. They need, but efficient shooting, right? They're 19th since the uh, OJ Ananobi trade. And pressure goal percentage? I didn't realize in that. field goal percentage? Jesus. So they're doing everything quite well, but it's but that's like the one drawback and something they want to consider. You know, having a lead ball handler in the back unit or the the, um, the backcourt would be great. To me, it feels like Brogdon would be a prime candidate. But then again, it could be Sexton, but I, I'm, I'm a little doubtful on that. It could be Jordan Clarkson, but I just have my surprises there as well. I just, I, I I legitimately don't know. I sit here not knowing, which I understand is great radio, but I just don't know where they're going to look. I, to me, the thing that makes the most sense is get someone who's a great catch and shoot player who can help run an offense in Malcolm Brogdon. I get the injury concerns, but also the player that you have right now with that salary slot is Evan Fournier, who's not playing. Yeah. So, uh, like, it, it, I understand it, but also the Knicks just need good talent. So getting someone in the building that can do that is important. There are other directions though that I think they could go. I think the most fascinating thing would be is if they do something in the forward spot. If they get a player that will see heavy minutes around the four, it says to me that maybe Julius Randle's injury is more severe than we would have thought. Because otherwise, it's kind of redundant to have that type of player if you expect Julius to come back. That's what I'm keeping my eye on the most, probably. Other than that, I don't quite know where they find a solution this late in the season with considering the market. It just it feels like it's one guy who's under contract next year, uh, indivisible. We stand with Liberty and Justice. For and just finding that player who can, who can hold down the fort for 20 minutes a game. I don't think they need a ton more than that. Just get guys healthy and you're in a great spot. We,
1: would, you, would you be shocked or surprised or neither if they traded for a, a forward ostensibly to fill Randall's shoes?
2: I'd be surprised. You know, because again, the whole two to three week thing with Randall isn't he's coming back in that time, it's he's reevaluated. Yeah. So if there's the fear, I, I legitimately don't know. It depends on what the doctors feel. He he might be fine and then have to get surgery after all. So it's it's kind of just seeing how it goes from that sense. But if there's any sort of concern or fear that Randall can't come back, they've got to likely address that. Now maybe it's OG is healthy enough to see significant minutes of the four there. Yeah. You can't I don't think you can survive precious minutes really in the playoffs. He's one of those, as Bobby was talking about, one of those great rotation regular yeah. season guys. Yeah. So Making sure you have the pieces in place because the Knicks can get through the regular season. That's not the problem. It's adding talent that you know can help you in the playoffs. You don't want anyone who can get played off the court, like with D'Angelo Russell. It's hard for the Knicks to validate making this type of trade when the Lakers won't even play him in key spots such as that. Now, granted, he's done excellent work in fourth quarters before. I don't want to diminish that. But I think last night was an example of when things get tight. And you have Jalen Brunson on your team. DeAndre Russell is really not that playoff guy. That's going to help you. You want a piece that's more complementary, which even to a degree goes against Malcolm Brogdon, to what I'm saying. Like I don't think that Bruce Brown is a great spacing option if Julius Randle comes back and Josh Hart is there. But also, if you feel as though you can mitigate that in some way, maybe Julius isn't playing, or maybe you know whatever it might be. Yes, you obviously want that efficiency piece, but it, that's that's Brown is the same player again where. He's not really a guard. He's not really a wing. I, I don't fully know how to categorize him, He's but a, he's a you, Bruce Brown. He's a Bruce Brown. But if you are missing Julius Randall and Bruce Brown is here, I get to a, another degree. It, like, it makes more sense, but I still don't necessarily love it.
1: I, I would be shocked if they, and I, I don't even know who this player would be. I really, I truly don't know who this player would be. I'd be shocked if they brought in someone that was like exclusively a, a, a forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, because it that it, I mean that would tell me that they really have very little like faith in Randall coming back and and being and like being healthy this year. I just, I wouldn't know how to read that any other way. And yet, right? How could we read it that way when? They're saying reevaluation two, three weeks. He's like we've seen pictures of him. So it's like if you're tinfoil hat conspiracy person out there, like it's not like he's gotten a surgery and they've hit it, which I wouldn't put past the Knicks, but again, we've seen pictures of him. So he and he has,
2: But the what? putting it the putting it past the Knicks portion is what I go back to, where I, I hear what you're saying, but if you also yeah. are cautious about how the Knicks have approached injuries in the past and yeah. how they're disclosing it, then like Again, it's not what the Knicks say. It's what they do. If there was ever a time for Randall to be hurt, it being before the deadline is the best thing that could have happened because it at least gives the Knicks that flexibility of a week. I don't think they'll change their plans drastically, but if let's say they're interested in Bruce Brown, if they feel Randall's not going to be playing significant time, I think there's more likely to be interest in Bruce Brown. It's not going to sway it one way or the other, but if Randall's healthy, then perhaps the Knicks are thinking something along the lines of, well, we have Randall. We don't necessarily need Brown because we've also got Josh Hart and there's just a, a lack of spacing. We don't have a spacing five. So it's just, does this injury change the calculus to a degree from what they were thinking? And my, my answer is, I hope not in the sense that I just hope Julius comes back healthy and the Knicks can find a player they can slot in who can help them and be a playoff performer.
1: I think with the amount of uncertainty in the air at this point with Randall, which is again it's just a very very unique situation. Like how how often do you like have this much uncertainty about when a player, not only when a player is going to come back, but like if you go the route of no surgery and you try to rehab it. As I the little bit I've come to learn about this sort of thing over the last few weeks, is that like the risk of re-injury is is maybe not extraordinary, but it's significant. It's like, it has to be, you know, you have to worry about it. So it, it, with that level of uncertainty with him, obviously OG is kind of banged up. Um, And with, and with just the complete and total lack of um, playmaking behind Brunson or aside from Brunson, I feel like the, the, option that they're going to turn to is the one that offers the most versatility which to me is Bruce Brown I feel like it's always been most likely to be Bruce Brown obviously not breaking news by saying that I'm just I'm I'm same as everybody out there listening to this I'm reading all the same shit you know and it seems like they've been circling that wagon for a while Um, I do think the fact that and like Ian has kind of connected these dots if the Lakers get Murray, it would seem to take a big bidder off the table for Brown. There are obviously someone else, you know, another bidder that could 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 emerge. Or there may already be other bidders. I, I don't know. I think it's going to be Brown. I completely agree with you that Brogden makes all the sense in the world. I, I would, I wouldn't rule it out. I'm just like, is that what this thing was about? This clutch CA the Knicks thing. Maybe maybe Brogdon's the guy. I don't know. It's just because he does make a lot of sense. I completely agree with you. I don't know. I I bet on one of those two. And I feel like I'm not ruling out Clarkson either for some reason. I can't. I don't know why, even though he has. He didn't look very good against us and hasn't had a great year, frankly. Um, I think it's going to be brown. Okay. Uh, last thing. On the rundown before we uh, give out game balls. So, minutes loads, uh, just to put a fine point on it. So, this is, these are the minutes totals from this week alone. So, four games Brunson, 38 and a half minutes. DiVincenzo, 39.9 minutes. Josh Hart, 40.3 minutes. And Precious Achua, 39.6 minutes. I will just, I will say that I, I think this seems to be a talking point in not only Knicks like Nick's fandom, but perhaps even in the locker room. Um, I don't know if, if the Josh Hart's comments after the game uh are gonna make the rounds, but he's he he had some comments on on his minutes. Like something along the lines of I didn't I didn't know I was gonna feel this included. Um well he's very included now. I it's it's a lot of Josh Hart uh, and it's a lot of precious to the the Chewa thing, I don't mind because that feels like it's more out of necessity. Like, where else are they turning? Um, you know, and with Grimes out, it's like, I don't even know if how much we could critique the hard stuff unless you want to go and dig up, uh, you know, Evan Fournier and put him back in the rotation, which is not something I personally want to do. So, like, my level of concern is high. It's not crazy high because we're five days away, five games away from the All Star break. And again, I think they're going to make a trade. So I don't know how how worried are you about this stuff?
2: What else can they do? I don't know. Like that's that's my main thought. Okay, so typically the way that the Knicks went into this season, I, like let's say, imagine Mitch were healthy when the trade went down on December thirtieth, you'd be looking at Brunson, Divincenzo, Ananobi, Randall, Robinson. And then you'd have uh, McBride, Grimes, nice. Hart, Achua, Hartenstein. Sure. Right? Yeah. Those five. Yeah. Those five. Four of those guys are injured. Yeah. I, I don't think that there are a ton of other solutions. I, I'm not saying there's zero. I think I'd probably play Deuce a bit more. I only, only played 20, 20, minutes, last 20 night. minutes
1: last night. And he was good. I thought he he'd only shot three free, but I thought he was good. He got to the foul line. Like he was good.
2: Right. So who else is really going to be the solution to your point? Evan Fournier is not going to come in out of rhythm and provide winning minutes. There are players who are tiers below. I don't think that Malachi Flynn is going to give you a ton. I mean, he he typically has operated where he gets time in the first half, the second quarter, Mm. and then that's it. And then doesn't come back. Do I think that's going to make or break a game? Not necessarily. The issue, of course, at least in my eyes, because they're tired, heavy legs, maybe the shot falls yeah. flat, it's, it's harder to be able to generate that offense. It's a good one. Which is why getting someone this by this Thursday would be crucial because if you're able to have that player inject some new life, go for it. Like you need it. So, it, but other than that, I just don't see how many solutions there are that are workable that actually win you ball games. I doubt that Tibbs wants to have Precious Achua as a four in a close game at the end of a game. I, I highly doubt it. But he doesn't have that many other choices. And there's a point where the Knicks I think had five players on the court obviously and three of them were not exactly four spacers. And yeah. based on how they've built their team, that's not an optimal move. That's not even what Tibbs necessarily wants. But getting to that point where you can say, all right, we have this many healthy bodies and this many, they're actually good. And then this many that can do exactly what we've been accomplishing yeah. and what our front office has set out to create a system where there is more spacing and passing and just solid offense. It it doesn't exist at this moment in time, in my eyes that, that really can also help you win games.
1: Uh, l- let me ask you this. I, I'm looking right now. There are, uh, to, to, between the top six teams in each conference. You know what? Throw, throw Miami in there. Throw Orlando in there. They're they're in a, almost tied with Indiana. Throw uh, New Orleans in there. Ver- is actually tied with Phoenix. So that's 12, 13, 14, 15 teams. So uh, uh, Pels, Suns, Kings, Nuggets, Clippers, Wolves, Thunder, uh, Magic Heat, Pacers, Sixers, Knicks, Cavs, Bucks, Celtics. Of those 15 teams, half the damn league, who are all trying to win. Is there any team, and I, I, I don't want to use this, it seems insane to use this word about a team that is just 1-9 straight. Is there a team as desperate for a specific move as the Knicks are right now? I,
2: I really am not sure that there is. I don't think so. There's a lot. There are a lot of teams that need additions, but the Knicks are just so like, incredibly banged up. and like the w- could yeah. use
1: a, a, another point guard. Like, you know, they've been connected to, I guess, Ty Jones. Like you want to say the magic could use a point guard. So there's a few teams that could use another playmaker like the Knicks,
2: but I, I don't know. They're the most banged up team in the NBA. They have to be right. Yeah. Is they, there anyone else that, that, that you can pick? No, <laughs> I can't. No, I mean, you could say the Sixers obviously well, listen, are feeling a crushing loss, but yeah. then they've still got a lot of other healthy players. Yeah. And also if they're that reliant on Embiid, then they've got larger issues that no. need to be tended to. Yeah,
1: the the whole the Philly situation is gonna <laughs> bears watching. Uh one quick thing uh to try to add some uplift and uh levity before we give out game ball. Uh so I did a little research before uh for Monday's newsletter and uh did you know that this, uh, the, so the Knicks have won their 32 and 18 as of right now, which is um, their best 50 game uh, start that they have had to a season. It's tied actually with the 2012 uh, 13 team, who also started 32 and 18. Um, they have started 30, with 32 wins in their first 50 games or more, 32 or more wins in their first 50 games, 14 previous times. In franchise history, do you want to take a guess as to how many of those 14 times the team made it to the conference semifinals or the functional equivalent of that? I'll say 11.
2: You're a little short, it's 13 oh, it's an out old. of 14. What the hell, man? I'm and bring height into this, <laughs> or oh, the, in the mirror pal. I was about to say, um, God, sorry, (laughs) completely throw me off. It's thirteen out of fourteen, and the and the fourteenth deserves an asterisk. Do you know why the fourteenth deserves an asterisk, Jeremy? Was that a strike? Oh wait, no, that they didn't make it to them. They did not make it
1: because that fourteenth time came in nineteen fifty four. When you know how many teams made the playoffs in the East, three. Yeah. And do you do you know how they decided who would get to the, the what was the equivalent of the conference finals? They did a round robin. Oh man. <laughs> which, the three teams who made it, which were the Knicks, the Syracuse Nationals, and the Boston Celtics, shocker. Um, they did a round robin and the Knicks apparently did not win a single game in that round robin and thus did not advance to the, the conference semis. But every other time the Knicks have started with at least 32 wins in their first fifty games. They've made it to um, the, essentially the second round of the playoffs, or, or further. Obviously, a lot of those years they they did even better than that. but so I don't know, hopefully that's a good good sign. We'll see. Um, but I was encouraged by it, so I, th- I thought you'd get a kick out of that. We should do more round robins here at Knicks film school.
2: I don't, I don't know.
1: I don't know how we could work that into our into our normal routine.
0: Game balls.
1: Let's skip some out. Given to a player, coach, or entity that stood out this week and deserves special recognition. As as always, Andrew Claudio writes words on a page and I read them. NBA All-Star Jalen Brunson, 34.3 points per game on 49.1% shooting, drove grown men and women to tears on Thursday night after his heroics versus Indiana. NBA All-Star Julius Randle. Selected to his third all-star team game, whatever, in four years. Only Melo has done that um, as a Nick this century. Uh, NBA Eastern Conference Coach of the Month, Tom Thibodeau. Knicks went 14-2 and with the number one defense and the number one net rating in January. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo set a new career high with nine, nine times three-point field goals made on Tuesday. Shot 38.7% on 15.5 attempts this week. He shot 15.5 threes per game this week my lord uh it's insane he i I, sorry quick aside i had a uh a, a, i have a bet going with alex uh one of our our patrons about whether Divincenzo was is going to break Fournier's record for most threes made in a season he would he'd have to play like every game which he's done so far by the way to his credit he hasn't missed a game yet and hit it, the number might have gone down a little bit but it, as of a few days ago, it was like three threes a game for the rest of the year. So I don't I don't know. We'll see if he gets there. And then um last but not least, Isaiah Hardenstein, ten and a half points, twelve and a half rebounds, almost three assists, over two stocks per game in four games this week while playing through injury. Jeremy, you know who goes first?
2: I do. It's about time that uh the person who goes first actually is going first. Thanks.
1: <laughs> um, okay. I, I mean, w- w- this is a obvious answer. I'm just trying to think if I can, if I need to do the things sometimes that we do, where the first the person who goes first doesn't give it to the obvious person. I'm not going to do it. I'm giving it to Jalen Brunson because I was one of those grown uh, people who was brought to tears on Thursday night uh, by his not not even his heroics, his, his his how he was overcome with emotion himself after that game, um, just. For me, the coolest part of being uh, out last night with a lot of Knicks fans to watch that Laker game was obviously to meet a lot of people, and and that, I mean that was really cool. But then after meeting so many people and and just kind of sharing communal stories about how much this team means to so many of us, to then have the the collective experience of watching Jalen Brunson. On a night when he did not have it from behind the arc, he was only one of six from from three in this game. But to watch him just time after time, like, des- like, f- like through three quarters, because that's why the Lakers had to double him because they had no answer. Throw it didn't matter what they threw at him. He was finding a way. He was unstoppable in that game. And just like every, with every additional basket that he made, there would just be like obviously a round of applause people cheering and shouting and screaming like to have an athlete to have a nick do that in the city well the team is good and it's just it's it's a it's some magical stuff right now i know we said it was magical stuff on thursday night it, I, to me it's it's it is it's just pervaded every, per, pervades everything that's going on with this team how how special his season has become um and uh so yeah he gets my game ball fully.
2: My favorite thing in the last week has just been all the recognition that he's getting because yes, the all-star appearance speaks for itself, but just how many talking heads and players are talking about Jalen Brunson. It's the respect it's feeling as though this player couldn't get the respect he, he he should have been starting uh, the all-star game in my opinion, but that it's just, Not the way it's going to be for him, unfortunately, but he's there. And that's the important part. And I was pleasantly surprised to see Julius be there. And as much as I want to give him the game ball for this week in the same way that you would give it to Jalen Brunson. And I do feel that there's recognition that is deserving. Dante DiVincenzo carried the Knicks with his performances in a way where, with so many unhealthy players so few options at point of attack, you're getting Di Vincenzo away from what he's better at right now, which is kind of cutting off passing lanes and being more of an off ball player. And for him to just take that extra step on offense and have as hot of a week as he needed to was crucial. So I, I feel he is deserving of this week's game ball. Is it too
1: strong to say that DiVincenzo has been a revelation this season, not not at the level of like what Brunson was last year, although a lot of us saw s- some version of that coming like
2: DiVincenzo, man, this is this is pretty good. I don't know if there is a rotation player, mind you, rotation player the Knicks have that is overpaid. I can't I, I can't necessarily think of one. That's a good one. And when I look at that, it's. Tibbs does a phenomenal job of getting these players to buy into this role. And DiVincenzo fits exactly where he needs to be, getting him for less than the full mid-level exception, highway robbery. It's still year one of that deal. Yep. And he bought in completely to what he needs to be and took that extra step when the Knicks needed him most. So it was it's just a phenomenal job by him. And Chua, who I was very low on when the trade came in and has just sure. surpassed expectations. And I look at him as a dollar store Nas Reed. Like the Knicks really wanted Nas Reed. They got 62% of Nas Reed. That's fair. Uh, that's good. That's good. So number. That's, yeah, you know, it's, it's, you'd like it to be more, but you take the 60% and you run with it.
1: It's, it's
2: Nas. He he actually does some
1: stuff better than what Nasdaq is just the shooting piece is not really mm-hmm. really there. I just gotta read off the DiVincenzo, um is what I was killing time for. Per this is per 36 since January 1st. His per 36 numbers for the entire year are very good. Since January first, um 21 points per 36 minutes uh on forty-three percent point two forty-three point two percent shooting at o- overall, but here it is thirty-eight point four percent on threes on twelve point two three-point attempts per 36 minutes. That is over a span of 18 games. He's shooting over 12 threes per 36 minutes. Um, And then uh, about five rebounds per 36 and a a little over four um, assists per 36 and 1.5 steals per 36. So like we're seeing from that dude. It's, I mean, really, really, really heady stuff among, by the way, among rotation players, uh, the only ones who have more attempted threes per 36 minutes over since January 1st, uh, one one player. Uh, he plays in Golden State. Won a, won a couple of MVPs. That's it. Um, okay. Detention. Given to a player, coach, or entity that deserves to sit down for a while and think about what they did wrong. First, with a bullet. Mixed film school. Us. That's right. Who's he looking at? He's looking at us. We are now owned five in regular season in-person watch party events, one no in the playoffs, as Jeremy said recently or earlier. Um, a serious and sincere shout out to the crew at T-Squared Social for having our watch party there, as well as the many KFS faithful who attended. Yes. Um, Josh Hart, oof, 13.3% from three this week. Is that good? I don't feel like it mm-hmm. might not be good. Uh, 21.6% from three since uh, December 13th of uh, last year. 16 for 74, my lord. Uh, NBA officials, you know it's bad when even Mike Breen is wondering what the hell you're doing. Uh, Colin Sexton, you fucked around and found out this week, uh, but you took Quentin Grimes with you, which is was unfortunate. Uh, Jaime Hawkins Jr., last but not least. Still
2: here from last week and will be here for the foreseeable future. I like it. Uh, Jeremy, this one's to you. I feel bad going with Josh Hart because of the fact that he's Why? healthy enough to play. Like <laughs> I with all these players, it's just you need you need bodies, healthy bodies. I'm not going to pick us because we still had a great event. And also, if you just bet against the Knicks all five of those times with the money line, then you'd probably be a wealthy person. So, if anything, you should find That's out true. next time we have an event and then just bet on the other team. I'll go with Colin Sexton. Okay. And... uh you know, I could live. With, I, I think he actually should get credit for helping to fuel Jalen Brunson in that game because clearly he decided to open his mouth, and Jalen Brunson took it to another level. It's the losing the Quentin Grimes part that hurts because it's it's not even the Quentin Grimes factor of it. It's losing a healthy body that would have helped you in the Lakers game hurts hurts a lot. So. My tinfoil hat is also that Grimes is certainly dealing with something, but if the Knicks were to move him at the deadline, it could be like, you know, let's just slow play this. We don't need any risk. And I don't want to be that cynical. I really don't. But he's been involved in trade rumors and the thought certainly is bound. So. I I just feels tired to go with Hakez, but I agree with Andrew that he, he'll still be up there for the foreseeable future. I just won't pick him, so I'm just gonna go with Colin Sexton and Leave it at that.
1: I'm um, I'm with you. Like I'm not I'm not gonna go with Hard, but like man, I, and you know why I'm not gonna go with Hard because like you know this is killing him. Like he the, he he knows he knows he's hurting his team, but he also is like dealing with twins at home and he had a comment on that after the game too like this this is a dude I can't even imagine what his life is like like he doesn't uh, it, it, it has not slept in probably months and he's playing all these minutes and he's in a shooting slump and it can't, I, I can't put him in detention uh, I'm gonna go with the refs uh, people like a few people have reached out to me over the course of this season in particular, and been like, why don't you make a bigger deal about how bad the refereeing is in the NBA? And I'm like, eh, that's not really my thing. I'm don't, I'm not gonna i not going to wait. I don't have the energy for it. Well, this week, I do have the energy for it because that non-call, it, it, it was not just the one call, but it was the most egregious one of the many bad or non-calls in the Pacer game in which, again, Jalen Brunson looked like Rocky Balboa at the end of it. Like, there needs to be there needs to be a certain modicum of competence throughout the league for for the games to remain enjoyable. I know the league doesn't care about this issue because I don't think it impacts their bottom line. Um, like the die the, the diehards who are who get up in arms about the refereeing are going to watch the game anyway. So, and I think ca- the more casual fan is like not it, it's not to the point where it's like oh my god I can't watch this sport anymore. So like it's I get why it hasn't changed. But man, this is this is bad. Like and it's getting worse and it's really frustrating when you watch game a game or games and like there is this variable there that should not exist. And it does exist. So the refs can can go my detention for the week.
0: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile.
1: Prize picks. You can go to prizepicks.com slash KFS and use code KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash KFS and the code is KFS for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks. Daily fantasy sports made easy. Um, It was finally easy for me this week to win. Um, I, I, I didn't fuck this up. I am now up to five and eight. You. You and your your cohort there with Benji and Fred are, are eight and five, still a sizable lead. But now I'm back in the driver's seat. Uh, do I do I run off the side of the road? I would have if I drove last night. Thankfully, I did not.
2: I'm um, glad you weren't uh, driving the train either. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, so we'll see. Uh, the three games this week,
1: uh, all home games. Memphis, Tuesday, uh, Dallas, Thursday, and then Indiana uh, rematch should be an interesting rematch on Saturday. So no back to backs. they'll actually get two game two days off before the Memphis game. Um, the Dallas game, by the way, is on uh, TNT. if you're wondering about that, uh, we have we owe Dallas some payback after their their recent win against us. I'm sure Indiana feels like they owe us some payback. Memphis, but spunky. I've uh, been playing playing well, considering the fact that they have are, are essentially the the Memphis Hustle as opposed to the Memphis Grizzlies. The you know, Hustle or their G League team. Uh, I'm gonna go two and one. I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt to make your life at least difficult with a because I listen with with how banged up the Knicks are. Like you could tell me they go in one and two this week, and I wouldn't think that that's nuts. Uh, but I don't think
2: you want to pick one and two. But I'm curious what you'll do. No, I'm gonna pick one and two. You are okay. There. I am, and it's. For that reason, I, they're tired. They play that Grizzlies team where even if they do get the win, which I think they could, Dallas has given them some fits. Yeah. I, there's also the, the fascinating portion of this is the game that will have happened after the trade deadline. That The trade deadline will have been a few hours ago. The Dallas earlier. game,
1: yeah. yeah.
2: So how will that impact Dallas? Point. How will it impact the Knicks? Will they be healthy enough so they get OG back? And then that Pacers game where I look at that team and I just think to myself, well, if the Knicks are still shorthanded and do they have the player they've acquired, has his physical been passed? Is he able to play? Of course, when the Knicks made the Josh Hart trade, they did not have him for that Sixers game, which was, I believe, the Saturday after the deadline there, too. If the Pacers do something, do they get their players? Halliburton going to play more than his... I played 20 minutes for all NDA yeah. purposes. So 3-0 and is really hard for me to pick when this team just rattled yeah. off a ton of great wins, nine in a row, a decent amount of them were healthy. I got to go with one and two, much to my chagrin. Would you have gone, if you had to pick, would you have gone two and one or one and two? I would have because from the optimist standpoint, I'd like to... You would have go, gone two and, two and one. one. I would yeah, have, okay. but in my heart, I think that they're due for just a little bit of just being banged up and tired and other teams come into Madison square garden and the Knicks try to finish strong before the deadline before, excuse me before the all-star break, but it's harder to do with so many question marks. Yeah, for sure.
1: I mean, look, they've built up a nice cushion Um, and I understand the, the goalposts have moved. We're thinking, you know, to, Two seed, three seed. Now at this point, and they should be thinking three seed. They absolutely should be thinking three seed at, at the very like that's. I think that, I think that's fair, uh, given the Embiid injury in particular. Because if you think that the Knicks could finish with a better record than the Sixers, given the fact that Embiid might be out for, I mean, for, for all we know, he could be out yeah. for the rest of the season. We'll see. Then it's it's asking them to finish ahead of either the Cavs or. Who am I for? Who am I forgetting? Basically, just asking them to finish ahead of the Cavs, unless you think the Pacers are serious,
2: still a series. The Bucks as well. Well, the, I'm saying for the three seed, oh, right? Yes, yeah, correct, yeah. As the Cavs, but, the Cavs are the Sixers, Yeah. and if the Sixers are hurt, to your point, yeah, yeah, exactly. So
1: you know, I'm not, I'm not, I still look at it in Indiana. Uh, I they're they're not all the way out of it yet for me, um, in terms of competing for maybe a higher seed. But so like, yeah, should the Knicks should the Knicks still be able to finish with the season with a better record than the Cavs? It's going to be tough. To, it's tough. The Cavs are really good. Playing they really are. well.
2: Yeah. They've had... You know. They've also... I'm sure they would say the same thing about the Knicks, but they've had a very easy schedule of late. It's mostly been... Yes, it has. Teams below 500 and the Bucks. But you have to... I mean, you have to win the games in the same way that the Knicks yeah. have won the games. And it's just, it's just the nature of their schedule. And side note, because this did have to do with the Bucs because the Bucks won against the Mavs oh, and the Knicks lost yeah. to the Lakers... Yeah, don't look now, but that Mavs pick would be 15th, tied for 15th or 16th, depending on a coin flip with the heat at this moment if the season ended. Of course season will not end. There's plenty of time for Dallas to do better, but also they have the Lakers a game back. They've got Utah losers of three straight, two and a half back. Houston wants to win their two and a half back. Fascinating events that could pan out for a pick that Obviously, the beginning of the year was, oh, this is going to be in the late 20s and just be patient. Plenty of season left. And there's still plenty of season left. But sure enough, 15th pick right now. You get a decent player there. It's a good asset.
1: I Yeah, I, I thought you were going in a different direction. I thought you were going to say that uh, because the Bucks beat the Mavs last night, um, Tibbs will not be coaching the All-Star game.
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> Which he but wasn't.
1: He- he wasn't anyway because they lost the Lakers, but
2: yeah, right. And but the funniest thing would have been Jalen Brunson plays five minutes and doesn't play anymore, and then he runs Tatum and uh, Giannis into the ground playing them forty-eight minutes. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good one. Um, okay,
1: uh, let's finish up with some announcements. Uh, why don't? Oh wait, no, I'll sorts of stuff. So this is we're gonna basically lay out uh, the week first. And then one more announcement regarding our March 10th um, outing to MSG. So X's and O's live on Monday night at 8 p.m. That's obviously with Benji and and DJ Zulo. Always looking forward to that. They do such a great job. It's like it it balances out all the nonsense basketball talk that is out there um, on everywhere. Uh, And then uh, Tuesday or Wednesday night, excuse me, not Tuesday next, next place. Tuesday night, Wednesday night, night before the trade deadline, um, I wonder if they'll have made a trade by this point. We'll see. You, Jeremy Cohen, are going live at I believe 7 p.m. for an, a new edition of Cream. That's correct. And, uh, and and you will you will do that, and you will answer all sorts of trade questions and and whatever people want to talk about. Then
2: our free agency, oops, trade deadline live stream. <laughs> Andrew's already thinking ahead to June. It's, it's all right. It's pre, it's pre-agency. It's pre-agency. It's, a lot of teams true. do their. They do their business now. Storms are coming. That's what Bobby said. Yeah,
1: That was great. Uh, Something about that really cracked me up. (laughs) Um, So that is going to be from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. On Thursday, it will be me. It will be Jeremy. It will be Andrew. Uh, I will be here uh, for almost the whole time. I have to dip out for uh, a half an hour to go uh, be a guest on uh, Ian's. Show the putback, but uh, I'll be here for pretty much the whole time. Other than that, and then uh, you guys will fill in for me while I'm gone, admirably as you did last year. Uh, and that is that. That's all of our announcements for 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 this week. Uh, Jeremy, you want to take it home with the final one?
2: Yes, final one would be we are doing a great job of getting closer to a second lounge. For those who did not hear, we sold out our first one. There's a healthy waiting list. We want to get a second one going, but we can't get the second one until we fill it up. So if you are interested in going to the March 10th game against Philadelphia 76ers, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, there is room for you. We would love for you to make it happen. If we're able to fill it up, which we would need to, it would be $215 a ticket. As a reminder, that includes free food. It includes uh soft drinks. There will be some sort of event before the game or after the game. We will figure out exactly what it is. A Knicks alumnus may stop by. It's a lot of fun. We've been doing this every year. Uh, Of course, the Knicks have been losing, but that is irrelevant because uh, it just is. It's it's not a curse. It just happens. So, please sign up. Uh, If you have not heard from us yet about being able to go to the game, it's because you are on the wait list and we hope to certainly have that done where we can just have everyone attend us. So i um, encouraging some support to get out there. Link will be in the video and we'll keep promoting it for the, you know, this next week as we get more eyeballs and ears for the trade deadline. Um, and we'll do it on the pod. So
1: thank you. Um, yes. Excited about that. Wait, what is this? What I I don't,
2: I don't know. Yeah. I forgot that I left the game back. What I'm saying is that the link will be in the video in the audio description, too, is Ah, for people that are listening to the pod. Great. And we'll tweet it out as well, because even better. Be a great way if you're on Twitter to get on that list. Perfect. All right. That's it. Uh, I want to go take a nap. Uh,
1: Jeremy Cohen, Andrew Claudio. (laughs) What? I have one more thing.
2: I don't know if it's since we're like laying out the whole week. Well, I mean, I'm just letting people know next Sunday's episode will drop at like noon. Like we're dropping it ahead of the Super Bowl because we're recording in the morning on the Super Bowl. So just something to look forward to. Normally you get your pods on Monday morning. We're dropping it at noon on Super Bowl Sunday because despite the fact that ball is life for us, we also want to partake in the American tradition of watching the chiefs win the super bowl i'm
1: uh i'm planning on watching the super bowl i'll have you know proud of you you should all be, should all be proud yeah okay Larry. uh thank you jeremy thank you andrew thank you to everybody who came out uh for the festivities on saturday night again great event really really cool really really fun and uh i speak on behalf of everybody at next Film school if you came up to me uh or one of us and said something kind like i i even if it looked like our heads were going in ten different directions, because they were, uh, every every word that w- was said uh, means the world to all of us. Because again, n- none of us ever thought that we would get to this point doing this thing. That it's just we're talking about our favorite team, and so to have built this uh, this thing and and have people just like really love it and enjoy it is is it's very special. So <laughs> thank you, and we will be back with more fun and games very soon.